Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Hi, I'm Carl Litke for the Wisconsin State Chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Another great hour of living the outdoors is now on WSCO. From the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druitt, presented by Fleet Farm. Be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now, here's your host, Mark Druick. Happy Wednesday and welcome to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show right here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for joining us tonight. It is our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. And if you have any questions or comments during the broadcast tonight, give us a call at 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. We would love to hear from you. You can also send me emails at livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Instagram. It's outdoors living the so i'm sure all of us who are uh, big sports fans are celebrating the the uh, bucks winning the nba championship congratulations to them that is absolutely awesome i was 11 years old when they won the last one and i do remember that and i don't remember much anymore but i do remember that and how exciting for them and how exciting for the city of milwaukee uh, where i was born and raised and also very exciting for the state of wisconsin but again tonight is our monthly edition of ask a game warden and i'm going to welcome in Warden Mary Bish. Mary, how are you? Good. How are you tonight? I'm good, thank you. Are you a basketball fan? I am. I was lucky to see the last part of the game. I couldn't couldn't see the first part, but I, I made it for the, the best part. That's... And uh, getting to see the victory party at the end was it was pretty fun to watch. That's exciting. Yeah, I suppose work kind of gets in the way sometimes of being able to catch all these uh, sporting events, huh? Yeah, most of the time I can make it work, but um, something came up and I had to deal with that first, but sure. lucky enough to see a little bit of it. Well, you know, the end is always the best part anyway, you know, especially when it, uh, it was the game was as close as it was. But, uh, yeah, kind of exciting for the state of Wisconsin, seeing that the Packers and the Brewers haven't done much for bringing a championship here. So congratulations to them. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm glad, uh, glad everybody was celebrating with us last night. Yeah, perfect. So... Here we are, um, midsummer. Uh, hard to believe that it's uh, the the twenty first of of July already. But uh, how have things been out there, Mary? Every you know, with the, the we're past the Fourth of July holiday now, and you know, I know there's still a lot of activity and stuff. But uh, how is the life of a warden these days? Life of the warden is always busy. I feel like there's never a slow time, especially in the summer. There's more people outside enjoying the outdoors and the natural resources, so we're we're as busy as ever. Hard to believe, though, like you said, it's the 21st of July. It seemed like just yesterday it was Memorial Day, and all of a sudden 4th of July has come and gone. This is by far the, the fastest 4th of July uh, holiday I can't remember it going by this fast. It was one of my only weekends off, and, and it was uh, it seemed like it just came and went so quickly, and then all of a sudden after that, you know, it's kind of, it changes gears a little bit. There's still plenty of fishing and, and outdoor recreating uh, to be done, but you can kind of things see things changing a little bit. People are, you know, talking about hunting a little bit more. You see more posts about, you know, uh, and articles about, you know, the duck hunting numbers and the duck numbers and all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of get that little inkling of, of fall coming up. But, you know, here we are. And I think um, what we want to do this show, Mary, is just kind of review uh, a lot of the things that are extremely important, obviously with boating um, and also a lot of ATVing going on as well. But let's kick it off and talk about, you know, boating safety and some of these things that we really need to be, be aware of when we're out there. Because there's a lot of traffic nowadays. There's there's uh there's watercraft there's boats there's skiers there's waterboarders uh tubers all kinds of stuff it's busy yeah yeah and it's hard because it's not like a normal roadway where they're only going to be coming at you from one one angle you kind of have to keep a 360 view of what's going on around you 
um, which can get people into a lot of trouble. So just making sure you're aware of the vessel and where all your safety equipment is on your own vessel. A lot of times when we'll uh, come and talk to people and we ask for that fire extinguisher or throwable, people are scratch their heads and have to really think about it. So part of the reason we do those is to get people to think about those things and make sure they know where their life jackets are and their fire extinguisher because you, sometimes you don't have time to think about it in a scary situation. So just making sure you're aware of your surroundings and you have all that safety equipment can really help you in the long run. You know, let me ask you this, Mary. You know, when you're when you're talking to these people, and and I know people who do it, and I have it myself. I always have a checklist of things. You know, before the, you know, I'm heading on a trip or, you know, any of that stuff. There's always a checklist of things that you go through, you know, to make sure you have everything on board. And especially when it's boarding, I think sometimes it's too easy to, to take for granted that, you know, nothing's going to happen. And boy, I, I tell you what, I, it, if it's going to happen, it, it can happen. The weather can change. You know, uh, you may get an inexperienced boater out there. I think it's imperative that people really understand, you know, all the, all the safety aspects that go into that. Me, before I step onto somebody's boat, the first question I ask them is where are the life preservers located? Yeah, definitely. Always a good question to ask because, again, something can happen in a blink of an eye, and if you don't know where that is, you can't stay safe potentially. So they should be readily accessible. If, if you see them still in that plastic bag that you got them in, uh, just take a second to take them out of that bag and at least have them just on the deck of your boat or on your pontoon or whatever you may be operating. Um, but like you said, just making sure if you get on somebody else's boat, just knowing quick where everything is is a great thing to do just in case. Right. And there are certain uh, are there certain restrictions on what you can have um, for certain individuals? Is there requirements for kids? Um, what are the, the, the stipulations when it comes to, you know, what do we exactly need to be doing the right thing when you're out there? Yeah, so every, every vessel is required to carry one wearable life jacket a wearable life jacket for every person that's on that boat and it has to be fitted for that person so if you have young children you have to have a child's life jacket or an infant young life jacket if you have an infant on board so make sure those fit because if you have an adult one and you have an infant on board that's not going to fit that infant and it's not going to do anything to put that life jacket on the infant in case of an emergency situation so one wearable life jacket that fits those individuals who are on your vessel um, for boats that have enclosed spaces, which most, most boats do, you need a, a workable fire extinguisher. So if yours is looking a little bit old and you don't know if it's working still, maybe a good time to just head out and grab a new one with one of those red and green dials on it that lets you know the pressure on it. Um, also, a a, some type of throwable personal location device, so a Type 4 or a throw ring, um, those are also required on vessels 16 feet or longer. Um, but always a good idea to have in case somebody that you don't know needs help, you can throw them that in a emergency situation. Sure. And is there a point where, you know, these these life vests are in a uh, are compromised or at a point where they're they're deteriorated that they're not functional? Yeah, definitely. Person PFDs. I mean, they have they have a life life. Um, they can go bad, too, just sure. like anything else. So being out in the sun and the elements really wears them down. So what I like to have people do is put them in the water, and if you can submerge them, and if they take on water, probably not a good life jacket anymore because it's not going to keep you floating. So take a look at those. If they're looking a little sun-bleached or moldy or just looking a little rough for the weather, um, do that little test. Make sure they work still and they're not taking on water, absorbing water, um, before you go out. Because those ones, they won't do anything for you in those scary situations. Right. And I think that's imperative because it's, I think sometimes too people stash those in their in their storage bins and they sit there and they get full of moisture. And and I, th I think that can contribute to their ineffectiveness. And, and uh, you know, if, if you're out there listening, I, I, I always... I never stuffed any of them anywhere. They were always out, and, and at the end of the year, they were always, you know, kind of cleaned up and, and wiped off uh, and, and, you know, checked. 
uh, to make sure it's functional because I certainly don't want to have one on board and not have it one that uh, that's really going to serve its purpose if, in fact, you have to use it. But, you know, yeah, I, you know, they, they get moldy and they get stinky, and I, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't care for that at all. Right, and who wants to wear something that's moldy and stinky? I don't really, so. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think, you know, I, and, and I've got a lot of friends and, and acquaintances that are, you know, very, uh, you know, avid boaters, and, and that's something that, you know, should be taken very, very seriously. And I think, you know, with, uh, and then I have people who are just, that I know that are just getting boats. You know, last year, I think there was this big push for people to get out and enjoy the outdoors. And I think buying boats was one of them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I've talked to several people about, you know, there's people out there that, that really, maybe they're not aware of it, or they have not taken the time or taken a course or spent time with somebody to learn about this. And I'm hoping that, you know, through the broadcast here in our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden, that we can explain to people, you know, you need a little help. It's easy to get upset with somebody at the boat landing or, you know, see them doing something wrong. Help them out. You know, I always had this phrase that, you know, instead of, you know, uh, throwing people under the bus, help them get on. Yeah. No, I like that. And, I mean, you never know. What if by you telling them something that they didn't know, you, you help them out in the future and you potentially got them off the water safely that day. So you never know how far your words and actions can go. Right, exactly. What about, let's talk about batteries. Are there some legalities involved with, uh, you know, batteries? Do they need to be covered properly or stored um, in a safe way? Yeah, so batteries on a boat, you can't just grab a battery, hook it up, and say, let's let's get going. Um, The terminals have to be covered. So those red and black caps that cover the terminals, those work. Um, And your battery actually has to be secured to the boat. And the reason for that is if if you have to stop suddenly or something happens, um, we don't want that battery to hit you. We don't want it to go overboard um, because currents and water don't mix well. So just making sure that battery is secured and those terminals are covered is what we look for at boats when we're doing those safety checks. Okay. And, and let's say you have a smaller sized uh, vessel that, um, you know, you just got the battery sitting in the, you know, inside of a, a, a container. Does that also, does it, they have to be secured on all boats? I believe so. Okay. Um, that's what we always look for. And it, it's pretty simple. You could just get a, a strap just to, and bolt it down to the bottom or onto the side or anything to just secure that battery to keep it from moving around. Sure, most definitely. And let's talk about, you know, obviously lighting. This is one of the things. I, I, I'm fortunate enough to live on Lake Winnebago, and I see a lot of things that, um, you know, with me being, being the host of the show and having wardens such as yourself over the years, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff of, of, of what not to do, and I do mm-hmm. see a lot of stuff on the lake. And one of them I see, Mary, is, you know, people not using their lights properly. Yeah, it's, it's pretty scary when you're out on a dark night and you find a boat without lights on. Um, it's very dangerous. Those lights are required for a reason. It lets other boaters know what direction you're going or what, way they're coming upon you um so having when you're anchored you at least have to have that 360 degree all-around white light at your stern so that light has to be on um, when you're anchored when you're not anchored and you're out after sunset you have to have that all-around white light that i was just talking about Mm -hmm. as well as your red and green navigational lights Um, those should be the only lights that are on you shouldn't have docking lights on in pontoons a lot, we see people driving around with their docking lights on, um, kind of like headlights on a car. That's what they consider them. But those docking lights will block out the red and green lights, and it doesn't let other boaters know which direction that you're coming at them. Wow. So just the navigational lights and just that stern light should be on. So basically we, you're, you're talking about, you know, the, the, the white light and your red and green light. You see a lot of these boats nowadays that have all this interior lighting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is there any any legalities involved with that and in, in, in utilizing that and the color of those lights? So in the state of Wisconsin, you are not allowed to have blue lights inside your boat or basically seen from the outside anymore. Um, we don't want people to get confused with law enforcement, so that's why you can't have those. And also I would just caution you, people who have those lights, they really 
they block out what you can see in the dark. Um, when you have bright lights in your boat or even your hummingbird screens or those fish finder screens that you've got on, they can be so bright and it takes a little bit longer for your eyes to adjust to the darkness once you look away from them. So just having that surrounding light, lighting turned down so you can really focus on what's going on around you at night in the dark mm-hmm. um, is, is what should be happening. Sure. Well, again, it, it all boils down to this simple fact, Mary, that safety is is always first and you need to be you know, conscious of that. You know, there's boating regulations that the, that the DNR produces. You can go onto the DNR website. You can get all this information, which I encourage people to do. You know, obviously, if you're going out into a, um, you know, onto the water, you're, you're, the odds of, uh, of something happening increase. You know, you're on the water. Um, you could have engine problems. There's all kinds of things that can happen. You know, so being yeah, aware definitely. of, yeah, being aware of your, of your surroundings, I think when we kicked off the, the discussion is, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, you've got tubers, you've got uh, paddle boarders, you've got kayakers, you have uh, guys on people on wave runners. Sometimes it just amazes yep. me that there's not more um, incidents that there are uh, just due to the uh, the increased traffic. Right, right. And I always, whenever I run across somebody who maybe just purchased their boat last year and they're new to the boating world, I always do recommend taking a safety course. Um, you can do them right online. They're relatively inexpensive. I believe it's $30 for that course. But it gives you that wealth of information because ignorance isn't an excuse out on the waterways, and we want to keep everybody safe. So just taking that course and gaining that knowledge can really open your eyes and help you out to be a better boater in the end. Well, absolutely, and you could save your own life or the lives of uh, of your family by, by understanding, you know, how to navigate and, uh, you know, the, and that's why the DNR is what it is, Mary, you know, you've got the, you've got the ability, you've got the resources out there for people to learn from, you know, snowmobiles to UTVs, ATVs, you know, to, um, you know, hunter safety, all of these things are implemented and for a reason so that people can understand how to be safe. So you don't have to deal with accidents. And I think, you know, um, there's most of the ones that happen I think are just due to you know uh, you know people just not paying attention and and not being aware of of their surroundings because it can get crazy and, and Lake Winnebago is a big lake uh, but you know if it's a windy and you you're you're you all these people are in a in a bay that's a little bit calmer it uh, it can be quite interesting uh, to, to see what happens yeah. but you know safety is always yeah, first. definitely Yep, safety is of the most importance, and it's so easy now with smartphones. You can go on and Google Wisconsin DNR boating regulations, and it'll bring the pamphlet up for you right on your phone. So literally at the, the tip of your fingers. Right, exactly. Take a few minutes, get off of Facebook and Instagram, and, and roll that stuff up and, um, you know, be prepared. And and I'm always, I've always been an advocate of that, too, is always have somebody, a secondary um, in your boat that can navigate. Um, knows how to run a boat, uh, knows the rules and regulations, something could happen, you know. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people like to have a cocktail or two while they're out on their boat. Well, you know, you've got to have that uh, that backup person, kind of like a designated driver, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, I remind people it's the same thing with rules apply, same as driving a motor vehicle to driving a boat. Make sure you're staying under that legal limit when you're out there because that's where we see safety issues come into play. Absolutely. And how does that work, Mary? I mean, if you, um, you know, are, uh, you know, think that somebody is maybe under the influence, is that something that you as the wardens can, can, um, you know, take care of, or does that have to go to like the sheriff's department or the police department that there, is that something you guys can, uh, can take care of? Nope. DNR wardens are trained and certified in the field sobriety tests as well. So we will, if we feel as though somebody is over the limit um, or is under the influence, we perform those tests right on the water. So, um, yep, you see us out there and we want everyone to be safe. And that's part of our job as law enforcement officers is protecting the safety of others. And we want people on your boat to be safe and you to be safe. So making sure everybody is sober and can be attentive while driving is one of the main 
reasons of our job. Yeah, and you you take a look at that. It's uh, like you mentioned earlier. It's not like you're, you know, the traffic is coming one way against you. You got traffic coming from 360 degrees. Your head's got to be on a pivot. You constantly have to be aware. Plus, you could get caught in in a couple different, um, you know, wave actions that could cause the boat to, you know, to tip pretty severely, and somebody could fly out or something. There's just too many things that can that can happen. Um, if you're not paying attention. But um, hey, listen, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we'll have more of Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show right here on The Score. All right, welcome back to Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show right here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Drulick. And before we get going with our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden, I have to mention my friends out at Evergreen Power in Kekona. Uh, they are the premier Toro dealer here in the Valley. And they have, uh, you know, we're in a situation where there's not a lot of stuff available. Uh, you know, it's that way across the board. But these guys, uh, they've got what you need. They've got the uh, the Toro mowers with the My Ride suspension. They've got the big 60-inch Titan Max. And, uh, you know, the stuff is out there. It's available. These guys are great. Their service is great, and uh, they're just wonderful people to deal with. And we're creeping up on the season of uh, getting wood ready and, you know, cutting wood, cutting trees, trimming trees, all that kind of stuff. They have all a huge selection of trimmers, chainsaws, and blowers from Ego, Husqvarna, and Echo. And they've got also all of the accessories uh, that you are needed if you're an arborist. And at Evergreen, they have the best money-back guarantee. If you are not 100% happy with your purchase, you can exchange it or get your money back. Uh, I don't know how you can beat that. Evergreen Power is located Highway 41 and N. You can count on them for the best service in the Fox Valley. So like I said, it is our monthly edition of Ask a Game Board. And if you have any questions or comments, 281-1570-866-653-1570. We'd love to hear from you. And you can email me at livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. Uh, I do appreciate the kind words and I do appreciate the opportunities to get people connected in the outdoors and uh, keep those requests coming. I will do my best to get guests lined up to get you more information how to get in the outdoors. So Warden Mary Bish is joining me here tonight. Mary, we talked about boats, you know, and that's, uh, you know, I don't want to go too far into that, but you know, you've got the, you know, the watercraft, the personal watercraft, and now we've got these, these paddle boards. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the the rules that need to be adhered to when we're when we're using these devices. Surely, you're talking about just the paddle boards, or yeah, you want to talk about the yeah. Let's start out with the let's start out with the paddle boards first. Obviously, there's a you know a, that that seems to be the mo- the newest uh, the newest rate. So let's start out with that. Yeah, for paddle boards, a great form of exercise if you've ever been on one. Um, but you just you need a life jacket to be on a paddle board. So I know. Um, people sit close to shore and they think they don't need one, but it's considered a vessel, so you, you need that life jacket. Most definitely. That's the other thing I see is, uh, you know, they've got the thing tethered to their ankle, but that certainly is going to help you if you fall in the water and it bops you in the head. Um, yeah. Exactly. I, I've, I've told a couple people that have paddled by my by my dock up north, I'm like, hey, you really should have a... Uh, uh, a life vest on. Well, I know, but we're only going a little ways. You know, well, you know, all of a sudden a boat comes by with a with a skier on it, and you get a big wave, and now it knocks you right off. So, again, be smart. Yep. Exactly, and same same thing goes for kayaks and canoes. It's just one wearable life jacket for every person on those vessels. Now, let's talk about that. You know, when you got um, canoes and kayaks, obviously. Um, you know, do people have to have those on when they're in there or they just have to have it in the canoe or the kayak? They just have to have them in or readily accessible, basically, okay. is, is the term we use. But don't necessarily have to wear them, and that's the same for the stand-up paddleboard. As long as you have it with you on that paddleboard, it counts. Yeah, okay, very good, good to know. Um, if you're in a kayak, though, I mean, any of those things you should, I mean, if you have it, you should wear it. And I, I mean, I, I don't like the big cumbersome ones, but I've got some of the small, you know, skeletonized ones. I've got one that my wife bought me, um, for a Christmas present. That's got the CO2 cartridge in it. You know, they're non-intrusive. They're not big and bulky. Um, they don't get in the way. 
uh, you know, just have, have it on. It's not going to do you any good, especially if you're in a kayak and you tip over, you're not going to have time to try and reach for a, um, you know, for a, a life vest, you know, especially if you're in, if you're not in an open one, uh, you're in an enclosed one and you're kind of focused on trying to get out of there. So again, what we're trying to get people to understand is, is don't wait for something bad to happen before you realize you need to have, um, your life vest on. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what I tell people, and it's something we take very seriously because, like you said, you could get hit in the head, you could get injured, and then not having a life jacket is even more detrimental at that point. And with watercrafts, you know, obviously, you know, the same thing, uh, you know, would, would have to apply there. And, uh, you know, are those – now, are there some stipulations, Mary, that involve a, a tether that connects you, um, your vest, to your, your, your watercraft? So yeah, on the on the personal watercrafts, you have to be wearing your life jacket. You can't just have it on board with you like the other ones. Those ones you actually have to be wearing one, and you have to have that emergency shutoff switch. So that tether has to be attached to you somehow. So whether it's around your wrist, whether it's attached to your life jacket, as long as when you fall off that PWC, it stops. That's the point of that tether. Perfect. Now, are there restrictions and, and regulations up on when you can and, and you know, following, um, you know, how far you have to be away from a dock or when you can operate these? I know that there's lake associations and stuff that set their own rules, but is there anything across the board, Mary, that people should be aware of, of, of operating one of these personal watercrafts? Yep. So personal watercrafts, have a, they have a little bit more, they have more regulations to them, and that's because they're so maneuverable and they're easy to turn at a quick radius, and we see a lot of accidents happen with them. So with personal watercrafts, they have to stay at least 100, 100 feet away from any other vessel unless they're going slow and awake speeds. Okay. So that includes each other. They can't be um, coming up and splashing each other and zooming up next to boats and splashing the boats that would be too close and we don't want we don't want accidents to happen and that's the reason for those regulations so they have to stay 100 feet away from themselves or any other vessels unless they're going the stone awake and that would include the the docks and piers and swimmers as well so we want to keep them away from other vessels so that they can stay safe and have fun out on the water so if people are driving their pontoon boat by your dock while you're fishing and they're like 15 yards away uh, yeah, and they think that they're not doing anything wrong, that's a problem. Yeah, and we just, again, it's all about safety. We want people to be safe. You never know if there's kids swimming um, or anything like that. So that's why we have those regulations um, put in place. So... Normally what I like to tell people is if you think you can throw a football to the person on the other vessel, you're too close, so you better get farther away. I mean, maybe that's just me and I can't throw a football very far, but uh, um, that's what I like to tell people or for you bow hunters out there, if if you think you could shoot that other bow, and this is all hypothetical, if you could shoot that target with your bow and arrow, um, probably a little bit too close. Yeah, I, I see that a lot. Um at my cottage up north, people like to drive their pontoon boats really, really close, and uh, you know, don't don't think anything of it. You know, it's it's like you know, you're way too close. We're trying to fish off the dock. We had one guy run right over our our lines while we were fishing. You know, and we're like, uh-huh. hey, we're like, come on, man. I mean, you know, you can't be another, you know, fifty or sixty yards out. Why do you have to be so close to everybody's dock? You want to see what kind of you know what kind of clothing we're wearing or whatever it is. I just don't, I just don't, I don't understand what it is with people having to drive so close to the docks because like you mentioned, Mary, there could be, there could be kids in the water. There could be a dog in the water. Uh, there could be just way too many things. I mean, there could be something in the water that they don't see. That's not marked. Maybe it's a, you know, a rock bar or whatever it is. But um, I, that's one of my pet peeves is, is people just driving way too close uh, to the uh, to the docks, I just I have a major problem with that. Yep, and that's something we we try to educate on. And again, that safety course goes into all those regulations, and you can find it right on right on your phone if you if you need to if you have uh, 
if you have internet service in that area. Yeah. Or you can pick up a hard pamphlet at one of the, the retailers. Yeah, for sure. Make yourself aware. I mean, you don't you don't just, you know, if you're heading in a destination somewhere, you have to have some kind of guidance. Whether it, you know, going a little old school here with a folding map or you have, a, uh, you know, everybody has these, these uh, uh, things on their phone, that the, the mapping systems that'll get you exactly where you want to go. You've got to be prepared. You got to know where you're going and, and, you know, create that. And that's why all of these things are so available. And like you said, Mary, you know, ignorance is no excuse because every, everything is made very accessible to you to make sure that you're doing everything correctly. And, and everything's monitored, you know, whether you're hunting, fishing, canoeing, boating, you know, um, ATVing, whatever it is. I mean, there's, there's rules and regulations put in place for a reason. And, and number one reason is, is, is safety. And, yeah. Uh, yep. But uh, all right, well, we're gonna move yeah, on to definitely. The, yeah. You know, it, it, it people just again take that too much for granted. But anyway, when we're moving on talking about summer activities, you know, obviously, uh, people, uh, you know, have bonfires and and that's just part of the uh, of the summer goings on. But let's talk a little bit about. I had I was talking to a gentleman the other day about it, uh, transporting, you know, firewood. And uh, this gentleman just could not understand why he couldn't fill his truck full of wood and take it up to his cottage. And I think, mm, you know, I'm going to I'm going to bring that up in tonight's discussion. And I think we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's a it's a good topic to bring up with the summer season going on. But with firewood, you're not allowed to take it outside of basically 10 miles. So if you're going up north camping, get it somewhere close to that campsite or a lot of our state parks sell bundles of firewood or the the private properties surrounding those parks um, will sell bundles of firewood, and, and that's what you should be doing. And the, the biggest reason for that is diseases. Um, trees can trees get diseases as well, and right now um, emerald ash borer and, like, oak wilt was a thing as well. So we want to prevent those from spreading to different parts of the state, as well as insects with those as well. Yeah, without a doubt. And what I've done too is, you know, you can go to your – your local, um, you know, county, uh, you know, courthouse. And I, most of them have access to, you know, getting onto some of the, the public grounds, uh, the, or the county land, uh, you know, and with the storms we had up there the, uh, two years ago, uh, there was plenty of down, you know, stuff for you to go cut out. It's very simple. I think, I think my permit cost me 20 bucks. I went down there. My yeah. wife went to there. She picked it up, and and they 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 say stay within this area. Where do you want to go cut? You know, and that's the perfect thing to do. You're within a short distance. You cut it up, take it back to your to your place. But it's a it's an easy way to go about it. Wherever you're wherever you're camping or wherever your place is, check with your your local county courthouse and see if you can get a permit to cut wood. Because you know you can just yeah you might get a few ticks on you, but you know, okay, big deal. At least you're cutting, you're cutting firewood. Plus you're doing the environment a favor by getting rid of some of that stuff anyway. Yeah, exactly. And good opportunity to go explore a new area that you've never been to before. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and honestly, it, uh, there was a lot of down timber up there and, you know, for the most part, they've gotten it. The lumber company's got a lot of it cleaned up, but there's still a lot of stuff down that, um, that, that needs to be cleaned up. So, you know, do your part, cost you 20 bucks, big deal. You'd spend 20 bucks on a couple bundles of wood anyway. Yeah, most definitely. And what a, what a fun activity to do with a family too. I know, I know every kid is really itching to go cut some firewood. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. What's not fun about that? I mean, cutting it is one thing, but then, <laughs> you know, putting it in the splitter and, and stacking it all up. It's kind of cool. I've always liked it. Uh, I like always like cutting my own wood and splitting my own wood and and uh, you know having a fire and and it's just one of those things that everybody celebrates. You go up north and you have a nice you know a nice summer evening and you roasting marshmallows and making s'mores and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, just be smart about it and you know understand that you just can't. You're transporting you know uh, diseases and all kinds of things that could be extremely detrimental uh, to the environment of, of your destination. Well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden here on The Score. Welcome back to Live in the Outdoors, brought to you by Fleet Farm right here on The Score. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. 
I'll tell you what, a pretty exciting time here in the state of Wisconsin. Finally have a championship team. We've had some great teams over the years. Uh, 50 years seems like a long time for a championship, but hey, good for them. That's awesome. Great for the state, great for the city of Milwaukee as well. Tonight is our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. Warden Mary Bish is joining me here. Hey, Mary, we kind of left off talking about, you know, um, transporting wood and stuff like that, and uh, Alex, my producer, was sitting across from me, and he says, well, how long has that been in place? It's I, I'm, I've got to say it's be 10 years or more that you couldn't transport wood. I'm, I'm just guessing, but do you know? I don't know the exact date, but I know it's been ever since Ever since I've been camping, that's been a thing. So yeah, sure. um, it's been around for a little while. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm guessing 10-plus years. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those one of those things that you need to pay attention to as well because you know how it is, you know, when you're camping and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, something to pay attention to. But, anyway, on to the next topic. Obviously, uh, you know, another big summer uh, activity is and, and really been – popular over the last years is is uh driving atvs and utvs so let's uh let's talk a little bit about that and let's start off by what what do you need to be to have to be legal to drive a, a utv or an atv in the state of wisconsin sure so a little bit a little bit more going on with atvs and utvs just because you're normally operating on roadways or trails um but as far as, like, a license goes, if you're born after or on January 1st, 1988, you are required to take an ATV, UTV safety course. So you have to have that with you while you're operating. Um, so if you get stopped, you can show that and say, yes, I'm, I'm able to operate this legally. Um, you should be buckled up on UTVs. The seatbelts are on there for a reason mm -hmm. um, to help protect you and keep you safe and on that UTV, so wear them. Um, if you are under the age of 18, so 18 years of age or younger, you have to wear a helmet. So, And they they actually have to be the DOT certified helmets. They can't just be a bike helmet for a kid. Um, again, all about safety. We want to keep the kids safe, so got to have the helmets on. Um, but you have to follow kind of the rules of the road when you're on road routes, you have to know what routes are open for ATVs and UTVs. Um, it's, you can find that out by going to the township or the highway department for the county. Um, they'll have kind of what townships are open versus not open or roadways, um, but they should all be marked with route signs if they are open. Um, we don't have any trails in this area necessarily, um, but a lot of places up north and kind of to the western part of the state do. So just making sure you know where you're going and you kind of have a plan of attack and you can let somebody know when you're leaving and when to expect you and where you, you head, head to when you're on those trails. Um, Perfect. You know, you bring up a good point, Mary. Is it, I think anytime you're in the outdoors and if you're boating, kayaking, canoeing, duck hunting, grouse hunting, deer hunting, always make sure somebody knows where you are. Uh, you know, even though we're accessible, everybody has a phone on them. Things can happen, and uh, it, it's. I think it's always so critical that somebody knows exactly where you are, just in case something does happen. Yeah, for sure, and that's something we recommend for boating, for ATVs, for hunting. Um, even just leaving a note or texting somebody, they might not even live with you, but at least they know, mm -hmm. hey, if I don't come back, this is where I was. Right, exactly. And uh, when you talk about... Um, you know, safety in, in, in using these, these vehicles. Um, I believe there were 21 fatalities in the state of Wisconsin this year. I mean, that's, that's too many. And I think, you know, when, when I was reading the report, um, a lot of it is just, you know, again, boiling down to safety issues. Yeah. Unfortunately, like you had said, um, number of fatalities this year, very unfortunate. We, we had one a couple weeks ago in, in out of Gamey County and, um, very hard calls to go on. Um, but if ATVs don't have something that keep you on that machine, just like those personal watercrafts. So making sure you're following, you're adhering to all those rules of the roads and you're, you're going a safe speed just because those tires don't grip the pavement the same way they would a trail or that dirt out in the trail. So, um, just going going slow, making sure you're getting from point A to point B safely and you're not in a hurry. And 
Um, now in the state of Wisconsin, you do need to have headlights on at all times when you're operating, even if it's on private property, those headlights should be on. Um, and then also if it's not a manufactured two person ATV, you're only allowed to have that one person on. So keeping people off those, those rails in front and in back, cause that's where a lot of accidents have been coming from. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, some of these eight, those uh, ATVs would have those aftermarket seats that you could put on that back rack and so on. Is that now deemed illegal? That's correct. So if it wasn't manufactured with it, you can't get an after-the-market second seat. That Perfect. would be considered illegal. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as I was looking through that report, um, you know, you take a look at – I was looking at how many things – uh, look like they were, you know, speed related with, uh, you know, obviously it, it, it's no different when you're, when you're driving an ATV as you're driving a car. I mean, deer collisions can happen just as easily on an ATV as they could in a car. And you have a lot less protection on an ATV and a UTV than you do in a vehicle. Yeah, exactly. So that ATV, nothing's keeping you on there. If, if it flips, you're going with it. Yeah, unfortunately. exactly. Yeah, it's, it is most unfortunate. And, and a lot of them, uh, as I was looking at it, were, you know, hel- helmets weren't being worn. And again, it's that's that one simple thing that can, that could uh, save your life. Cause, uh, you know, if you're out, uh, you know, doing these trails and stuff like that. And again, I, I believe you had mentioned it earlier, Mary, you're just drive to your conditions. You know, everybody likes to just full throttle that and splash mud all over the place and drive like a crazy person. But, Boy, the faster you go, the worse things get. Exactly. And and if you don't have a lot of experience in it, don't feel like you have to keep up with that person who's been riding it around their entire life. So I just I just like to stress importance of safety when you're on these vehicles and really making sure you understand how they work and operate and where the brakes are because they're a little bit different. You've got the hand and the foot brakes, and they're all a little bit different. So getting to know your machine and how it works and how your weight on that machine changes when you're on different surfaces. I agree. And it, it almost seems to me some of these these UTVs are even a little less stable than, you know, like my I've got a, a Yamaha Kodiak and it it's really hard to tip that thing over because it's heavy, but it seems like some of these these new uh UTVs, boy, you come around the corner a little too fast, you're going for a you're going for a little tilt a whirl. Yeah, potentially. And, and, you know, all the, the surfaces are a little bit different for these. So you could be on a hillside and one of the, one side of the UTV or ATV is up higher than the other. And um, just with weight issues on it as well, not being evenly dispersed, um, more, more options or more ways that it can tip over. Right. So just, just keeping it all in mind and kind of like what I said on a boat, being aware of your surroundings and, um, making sure you know where all that safety equipment is and staying sober while you're doing it. Um, we just want people to be safe out there on the trails. Oh yeah, absolutely. When you talk about the, you know, the golden rules of, of ATVing, I mean, everybody should be, you know, you mentioned wearing a seatbelt, um, the helmet, keep your speed in check. Remember that, you know, Wisconsin, the terrain changes. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, driving on roads. A lot of the trails do encompass driving on some of the paved roads and, you know, like I said, know, know where you're going, know your trails, be aware of where you're going, where your destination is. And I think most importantly, don't, don't get on this vehicle when you've, when you're, when you're drinking, everybody thinks oh, it's liquid confidence. I can, oh, I'm fine. I can drive and do all this kind of stuff. And then something, something terrible happens, but you know, it's just, it's all common sense. You hate to, you know, beat that, but it is just common sense and, and, you know, don't defy the odds of something happening because it can, you know, it, you always say, well, that's never going to happen to me. Well, then all of a sudden it happens to a friend or a family member or even yourself. You know, you don't want it to get to that point where, you know, you need that realization to understand. Yeah, exactly. And and we're out there patrolling. We have, I mean, wardens in all parts of the state. We, we have ATVs and UTVs as well. So we're out on the trails too, making sure everybody's being safe. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, I believe there are some regulations, too, involving the display of your um, your registration numbers as well, right, Mary? Yeah, so you, it has to be registered, obviously, just like the same as a boat or snowmobile. And, and that registration sticker has to be basically on the, the 
forward parts of the machine. So um, on UTVs, it'd be kind of in front of where the operator is on either side. Um, and then on ATVs, just basically towards the front. But if you're on the machine, make sure you're not covering up that registration decal. So put it in a place where we can see it's registered by you not by you riding on that machine. Sure. Um, and then you also have to have like a license plate on the back, and it'll be those AV or UV numbers that are on that registration decal would go right on that license plate. It has to be attached to the back. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And uh, um, there's pretty some size restrictions on that. Uh, as well but um, yeah I mean pretty simple uh, but again you know and it seems there's so much more activity you know with the with the COVID situation going on I think people are just looking for opportunities to get out and and enjoy the outdoors and and there's so much so much more activity on that level than I've I've seen in the past which is great as long as everybody remembers one thing you know we are uh, stewards of the outdoors don't abuse it and don't abru- you know don't look at that as a uh, you know as a right it's it's a privilege to be able to do these things because if you start destroying that you know now all of a sudden your trails are going to shrink and you're not going to have the opportunity to do the things that you want to do um and respect everybody else as well and and uh you know the outdoors is a precious thing and we don't need to take advantage of that but all right well listen we're going to go ahead yeah. and take oh i'm sorry mary uh but yeah we're going to go ahead no, and take I'm... our last break uh when we come back we'll have more of fleet farms living the outdoor show right here on the score Welcome back. Fleet Farms Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. It was our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. And, uh, Mary, it's kind of hard to believe that our next show will probably be talking about the upcoming hunting seasons and uh, when we get to our show in August. All right. I'm excited. It's great. To, like you were saying earlier, you're seeing a lot more posts on Instagram and Facebook People have got their their archery equipment out, and they're they're trying to get their their arrows all within that circle. Yep. So yep. getting excited. Yeah, it is. It's fun to, uh, you know, I'm in the outdoor industry um, for a job, and it's fun to me. Um, I get to get people hooked up with archery equipment. I, I work on bows. I work on crossbows, and we've kind of turned that corner where. You start to see more people coming in. I'm starting to see people bringing their kids in, which is ultimately my favorite because you're taking somebody who shows an interest in something and you want to make sure that that experience is as pleasurable as possible um, and, uh, you know, get the kids bought into the concept of archery and get them excited about it, let them hit the bullseye and and just kind of help people out. And, and I talk about it frequently as, you know, in, in this business of what I do, uh, you know, every time uh, we send a customer out the door and he goes out and shoots his first deer or shoots his first turkey or goes out west and shoots an antelope, elk, or a mule deer, um, and and myself or uh, the guys in the in the shop have worked on their equipment, you kind of had a little bit of a, a piece of that in that success, and that's really kind of cool. It's always been the most rewarding thing for me uh, being able to do that. Yeah, most definitely, and that's. That's something that every outdoor enthusiast should do is get somebody new involved with the sport that you love so much and get them just as excited as you are in that sport. I agree, and I think that's where the DNR really has done a, a phenomenal job of these learn-to-hunt programs and the mentoring program is, uh, you know, get get some systems and, and some opportunities in place for people to get hooked up with uh, another individual who's passionate about it because I think that influence is so critical that it gets done from somebody um, who's got a lot of experience. And I'm, I'm not, you know, um, putting down any parents or grandparents or relatives or friends or anything like that. But sometimes when you have, um, you know, an outside influence that's helping the kids understand that, I think they may just pay a little bit more attention. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And and sometimes it's nice to hear a different way to do things as well. So maybe your family has always done things one way and you hear a different idea and it and it makes it a little bit easier for you. Um, it's nice to share those ideas with other people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's got to be re- rewarding for you too, Mary, that, you know, obviously you're law enforcement, but you're also a, a vessel to, to teach and educate and get people involved and be involved in the community. And I'm sure there's programs out there that you participate in 
that are just as rewarding. Yeah, definitely. We did, uh, there were a lot of fishing events this year. And now with, with COVID kind of winding down, um, hopefully we'll get those programs back up and running. Our, uh, our R3 program within the DNR is working hard to get some of this stuff going. So hopefully this fall we'll see a lot of those activities again in those groups and mentored hunts again. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me as well. I, we were uh, bumped out of our of our Learn to Hunt program uh, this year as well, and uh, that's most unfortunate. I look forward to that, getting paired up with somebody who's never turkey hunted before. And I always take pride in I can teach them exactly what not to do. But, uh, <laughs> Mary, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me here. Uh, on Living the Outdoors. It's always a pleasure to sit and chat with you and look forward to our next conversation coming up in August. Yeah, thanks for having me. And anytime, I love to be part of your show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, thanks for taking the time to tune us in tonight. It's always a pleasure for me to sit here and chat about the outdoors, which I I absolutely love. And uh, if you have the opportunity to impact somebody's life through the outdoors, most definitely take advantage of it. It will make you a better person. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Have a great evening and live life in the outdoors. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.